Okay, thanks, Sarah. Well, good morning. How are you doing? Okay, a little more than that. <laughs> good morning. How are you doing? Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, whew, it's rough this morning. Okay. <laughs> well, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Ours was pretty good. We made it through with only one flu scare that turned out to be a, a meatloaf-related incident, and uh, we had a couple of football-related injuries, um, minor, thankfully, and the, the game was played with a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 34-year-old, so uh, <laughs> thankfully, I, I didn't inflict the in the injuries, otherwise that'd be a problem. Uh, but we made it through pretty well. We had a good, a good Christmas. But Christmas is over. It's official, right? We're done with it now. You know what time it is now? It's serious time. It's New Year's. This is when we get real, right, guys? This is when Americans are like, I'm done with everything that I've done for the past month. I don't, you know, like, I didn't actually want to live my life that way. I wanted to live my life better. I wanted to be healthier, right? I wanted to do all the things that I said that I was going to do once I'm done with partying and eating good food and getting gifts from people and hanging out with friends and, you know, all of that stuff. I'm glad that it's done so that now I can be resolute in changing how I live my life. At least that seems to me kind of how Americans view it. It's like Christmas is done. Now it's time to get serious. Here we go. New Year's time. We want good habits for the New Year's, right? You all are sitting there thinking, you're like, yes, I am going to go to the gym every morning at 6 a.m. to that spin class. Yes, I am going to finally, 2020 is going to be the year that I am completely stress-free, 100%, because, you know, every other year when I've tried that, it just hasn't worked, but I know that I got it figured out this next year. Yes, 2020, I'm going to actually take time for me. Because, you know, honestly, if I'm being truthful, 2019, it was just too much about other people. <laughs> you know, like, and that's just not healthy to do every year. So I need more me time this next year. And yes, I'm going to stop eating all the sugar and the carbs and the processed foods and everything that tastes good. And I'm going to eat more raw food and vegetables in 2020, right? Uh, I make none of those promises going into the new year at all. But in the spirit of life change in 2020, I came across a list that I loved. It was the nine most life-changing TED Talks according to Reddit users. And when I saw that list, I got really excited. And this is why. Because I thought, yes, I can watch nine TED Talks in 2020. I can do it. I can finally make my resolution happen in 2020. And I wanted you all to experience that same positivity too. So let's look at the screen. Here we go. Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator by Tim Urban, The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown, The Danger of a Single Story by Chimamanda Adichie, The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer, The Power of Introverts by Susan Cain, Depression, The Secret We Share by Andrew Solomon, I like how there's like one like really serious one in the list. 
You're like, whew. Uh, and then it goes to How to Tie Your Shoes by Terry Moore, uh, followed by How Childhood Trauma Affects Health Across a Lifetime by Nadine Burke Harris, and finally, How to Use a Paper Towel by Joe Smith. This is the list that other people compiled. This is not my list. Other people said, this will change your life if you watch these nine videos. And the best part about this list is I've already watched half of these. So 2020 is going to be my year. I feel it. I know it's going to happen. Uh, Brene Brown, Susan Cain, Chimamanda Adichie, fantastic. Check it out. If you like inspiration, if you like life change, if you just like watching TED's Talks, Watch these. You'll have a great evening uh, feeling like you actually did something important when you sat on your couch. Uh, but because I wanted us all to experience change communally as a group, I thought that we could watch one of these together. So turn to the screens. Now, there are all kinds of paper towel dispensers. There's the trifold. People typically take two or three. There's the one that cuts it that you have to tear off. People go one, two, three, four, tear. This much, right? There's the one that cuts itself. People go one, two, three, four. Or there's the same thing, but recycled paper. You have to get five of those because they're not as absorbent, of course. <laughs> the fact is, you can do it all with one towel. The key, two words. This half of the room, your word is shake. Let's hear it. Shake. Louder. Shake. Your word is fold. Fold. Again. Fold. Really loud. Shake. Fold. Okay. <laughs> Wet hands. Shake. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Why twelve? Twelve apostles, twelve tribes. 12 zodiac signs, 12 months. The one I like the best is the biggest number with one syllable. <laughs> Trifold. Fold. Dry. Okay, guys, you ready? There we go. Life change. Give yourselves a hand. There we go. We did it. 2020 is ours. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> how that guy came up with that, you don't even want to like think through, right? Like he just sat in front of a paper towel and was like, how can I make this better? Uh, anyway, 2020 could be our year of living intentionally. We can change our diets. We can go to the gym more regularly. We can set healthy boundaries. We can have better relationships. And all of those things would be great. They would be fantastic if we did all of them. Uh, but as followers of Jesus, I think that there's another thing that we need to add to that. And that's this simple question, what is Jesus inviting me to in 2020? What's Jesus saying to us as we look to this next year? And this morning, I want to look at, some, at a story, an invitation that Jesus gave to some men who were fishing, some of his earliest followers, Peter, James, and John. And I want to look at the invitations that he lays out to them because I think that they relate to us today as we look to this next year. So will you pray with me? And then we'll jump into Luke chapter 5.
Jesus, I just thank you for uh, your presence, just being here with us already. Thank you for what you're, you're up to in this place. And we just give you room, come, speak to us. Uh, let us engage and encounter you more clearly this morning. And I do pray that as we, as we look back, as we look forward towards the next year, and we look back on this past year, that we'll, we'll see your, your footsteps, that we'll see where it is that you're leading us. And I pray that for each and every one of us, that we'll feel the invitation that you have for us going into this next year, that we'll be aware of how you're leading us and what you're inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Luke chapter 5. Open up your Bible if you have it with you. Uh, you can always grab one from the front, uh, or you can read from the screen. But Luke 5, 1 through 11. This is what it says. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it is deeper and let, your nets, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, were also amazed. And Jesus replied, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This morning, I want to look at four invitations that I see in this passage. I see Jesus placing in front of these guys at first, and now I think he's placing them in front of us. And the, the fun part about these invitations is that they kind of build on each other. They're not just scattered things that he's saying that you could do, but he's inviting us to keep moving step by step with him on this journey. And so that's what I want to look at. So let's talk about these four invitations. The first one is this, let Jesus in the boat. Do you remember the scene? Jesus is preaching to the crowd. He's doing his thing. He's being all mysterious and wise, and, and he's teaching really well. And maybe he even throws in a little humor. We don't hear much of the humor in the Gospels, but I'll assume if he's a good speaker that he's funny sometimes, right? And so he's doing his thing. He's intense Jesus, and he realizes he needs a bigger platform. So he asks these guys with boats, to take him out a little bit further into the water because he knows that in these inlets in the Sea of Galilee that it creates an amphitheater type of scene that he could project his voice a little bit farther. So he begins, he goes out in the boat and he begins to continue to teach. Whatever it was that first drew Peter 
to Jesus. It was something with his teaching that first made him feel comfortable with him. Whether it was his wisdom, his humor, his approachability, I don't know what it was, but it was something related to that that first drew him to Jesus. And the same is true for all of us, that there's always something that we're first invited into. We all have a first step in our relationship with Jesus, right? There's always something initially that draws us, something that opens us up to Jesus, that, that encourages us to invite Jesus into the boat. Uh, for many people, like for Peter, it's his teaching. Uh, Gandhi is probably one of the most famous people that talked about the teaching of Jesus, and he said several times that he really liked the Sermon on the Mount, that he, he thought Jesus was a fantastic teacher, uh, I don't know if it continued beyond that. He doesn't really tell us, but he was really drawn in by the teaching of Jesus, and that's been true for many, many people, and that was true for Peter here. But for Peter, valuing the teaching of Jesus was important. It was a good first step, but it, didn't, it wasn't where everything ended. It wasn't the end of the story of the relationship for Peter and Jesus. It was only the first step, and then he was invited to take it another step. You know, as a pastor, let me tell you, it's completely possible to get so caught up in the words of Jesus, in the teachings of Jesus, that you miss the person of Jesus. If you're so caught up in looking at the words, at hearing, just hearing what he has to say, analyzing it, trying to figure out what it means trying to uh, figure out his, mor his moral code, his, his ethics, whatever it is. You could get so caught up in that that sometimes you forget to actually look up from the page and realize that the person of Jesus is standing right in front of you. And it's the person of Jesus that changes you, not just words on a page. The person is who we want to encounter. And that's what happened for, G for Peter right here. But it could be it can happen so easily that we get so caught up in the words that we forget to look up. Carl Moderis says that the distance between people and Jesus isn't doctrinal. It isn't political or social or even theological. It's a matter of personal contact. Jesus collided with two fishermen and their lives were changed. So the question is, is Jesus asking to come into the boat? And are you willing to take the next step if he already is? To go beyond just liking his teaching to actually encountering the person. Because here's the second invitation that Jesus gives you to go out a little bit deeper. Verses 4 and 5. Jesus said, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I think this is kind of funny because Jesus is not a uh, fisherman, in case you didn't realize. He's a carpenter, and he's basically our equivalent of a pastor. Um, and there's two things that carpenters and pastors are usually not professionals in, and, that, and that's fishing, right? It's usually not their specialty, and nobody loves it when an amateur tells a professional what to do, right? If somebody came, if I came into your job and started telling you what to do, you would be like, get out of my space, go back to the church, right? You wouldn't like that. Nobody wants an amateur telling them what to do, but that's what Jesus is doing here. And Peter knew as a professional that the best place to fish in the best time of day was at night, in the middle of the night, closest to the shore. It wasn't deeper in the middle of the day. 
That's the worst time to go fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Peter would have known that. He was a professional. But he trusted Jesus enough to go a little bit deeper. And then look what happens. Verse 6. This time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. How does this happen? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus had some like super high-tech sonar uh, gear that wasn't available back then that only he knew about that he could call all the fish to himself. I don't know what it was. It was supernatural, and Peter accepted it as supernatural. And because he did, it changed everything for him. And we're invited to accept that reality too. Anne Lamont once wrote, I do not understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us there. Letting Jesus take you deeper guarantees that you will not be the same after you've gone out a little bit further than you were when you just led him onto the boat. You'll be changed. And this leads us to the next invitation that Jesus gives us to let Jesus put you in a place to be uncomfortably amazed. Because the, the nets almost break, right? His boats almost sink, which is terrible because these are fishing boats. The only reason that they're built is to haul fish, right? If there's so many fish that a fishing boat is sinking, you have a problem. Something here is going on. It's kind of crazy. And Peter's response, he falls to his knees and he tells Jesus, essentially, get out of my boat. I can't handle this. Get away from me right now. This is too much. I'm just a fisherman. Like, this is way too much for me to be able to deal with. Peter was amazed, and he was very uncomfortable because of what he was encountering. He knew that something was different, and he knew who he was. And honestly, Peter's not wrong in his reaction to Jesus at this time. Daryl Bach wrote that Peter's humility and awareness of his sin do not disqualify him. They are the prerequisites. Jesus doesn't call those who think they can help God to do his work. God does not need or want servants who think they're doing God a favor. Jesus calls those who know that they need to be humble before his power and his presence. Jesus has taken Peter's humble faith and scared him to death with God's presence. Peter was in way above his head. He had no idea what was going on, but he knew that it was above his head. He knew that it was supernatural, but that was the best place that you could possibly be when you're encountering Jesus in his fullness, because there's something necessary about being shocked and humbled when you encounter the abundance of Jesus. There's something necessary about having that reaction when that's what you encounter. You know, if you're going to a dentist and the dentist takes out a drill and goes to, begin to, goes to do something in your mouth without giving you any pain meds, without giving you any Novocaine, without numbing anything, you should jump out of your chair and run out, right? If he's saying that it's not going to hurt, there's a problem. And honestly, friends, if you go to a church... If you encounter a Christian and they say, you know, you can deal with Jesus and nothing will happen. Nothing will change. Your life won't look different. Everything's just going to be the same that it was before. You need to jump up and walk out that door because that's not encountering Jesus. There's nothing of Jesus in that. If you encounter Jesus, of course you're going to be changed. 
Of course something's going to be different. He's God. You're not. You need to be uncomfortable when that's your reality. There's no other option for you. That's the reality of it. Don't be afraid of being a bit shocked by the, the abundant generosity of Jesus. Just don't let that fear stop you from moving closer to Jesus. Don't let it hold you back. Because when you're amazed by Jesus, you're in a good place. Because again, they're all building on each other. You're in a good place for the next invitation that Jesus gives us to let Jesus guide you into the unknown. Verses 10 and 11, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. There's two things that I see here in these verses about the, these, the response to Jesus' uh, call here. Peter, James, and John had an immediate willingness to follow Jesus. There was no hesitancy, no hesitation at all to leave everything and to go and to follow him. And here's why. It shouldn't shock you that they accepted this invitation of Jesus because they had accepted all the other invitations leading up to it, right? When you've already led him into the boat, when you've allowed him to take you out deeper, when you've encountered the uncomfortable reality of his abundance, when you've seen who he is supernaturally, why not follow him, right? Where else are you going to go? You know who he is. Leave everything and follow him. Sure, you know him. You know what he teaches. You know what he's about. What would be better than following Jesus when you've encountered all of that? Sure, let's do it. Bring it on, Jesus. Let's see where we're going to go. There's a great scene from The Hobbit that I want us to watch between Gandalf and Bilbo that I think plays this out. So turn to the screens. The world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins of Bagend. You are also a Took. Did you know that your great-great-great-great-uncle Bullroarer Took was so large he could ride a real horse? Yes, well, he could. In the Battle of Greenfields, he charged the goblin ranks. He swung his club so hard, it knocked the goblin king's head clean off, and it sailed a hundred yards through the air and went down a rabbit hole. And thus the battle was won. And the game of golf invented at the same time. I do believe you made that up. <laughs> well, all good stories deserve embellishment. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you'll not be the same. I love that. Can you promise that I will come back? No. But if you do, you won't be the same. It's the same with accepting these invitations of Jesus. Will I be able to come back to everything as I've known it before? No guarantee. No guarantee at all. And even if you did, there's no guarantee that you would want everything 
the way that it was before because you've encountered Jesus. It changes everything for you. It'll be worth it, but it will change everything. But hear me on this. This is about, it's not about addition. It's about subtraction. I think so often we hear these types of things in church from pastors or leaders, and we're like, great, what else do I got to do? I'm already busy. My life's full. My schedule's full. I work. You know, I, I have kids, kids' activities. I have all these extra things. Where can I fit it in? But friends, Jesus isn't asking where you have free time in your schedule. That's not what he's inviting us into. He's not saying, where in the next two weeks do you have a couple of hours that I can pencil myself into? That's not what this is about. It's about subtraction, not addition. He's saying, you need to take out stuff so that you can have space for me. That's what following Jesus is actually about. It's a little bit more painful than sometimes we like to think it, unfortunately. Jesus isn't inviting you to add additional activities to your life in 2020. He's asking you to clear the deck, so to speak, so that he has room to do what it is that he's wanting to do in your life. Jesus didn't ask the disciples to follow him and to keep working in the boats at night. He said, leave everything and follow me. There wasn't an option to keep doing life as they had been doing it before that point. It required total change. That's the invitation. Because Jesus cannot be your extra. It doesn't work. Here's the second thing in this invitation. That it's all about allowing Jesus to actively move us towards others. Mike Pilavach, he's a British pastor and speaker, and he uh, had a conversation with, with a friend uh, who was an evangelist, which is somebody who leads people to Jesus. And uh, this is the way the conversation went. Mike asked his friend, why does God seem to use you to do all these things, but he doesn't seem to use me? Why does God use me? His friend paused and thought about it. I guess it's because I have a high expectation that God will use me. You don't. <laughs> Tough love. Anybody got a friend like that? Uh, that's a little rough. Uh, God loves people, and he wants to bless them, and I'm available for him to use me. So why wouldn't he want to? Mike then wrote this. How would our approach to things change if we had a confident expectation that God would use us? We have the authority, we have the power, we know that God wants to reach the world, we know it's not about our strength, but about God operating through us. In other words, every day there are people God prepared for us to bless. Our job is to be attentive, to listen to the Spirit, and to get ready to step out. So as we end this morning and transition to a time of worship, what's Jesus inviting you to in 2020? Is he inviting you to uh, ask him to come onto the boat? Is he asking you to go out a little bit deeper? Is he asking you to go to a place where you could be amazed by the reality of who he is and what he wants to do in your life? 
Or is he inviting you to go into the unknown? Where is he at? Maybe you've been at all these places and more in your walk with Jesus, but he's cycling back through them, so to speak. But we need to be aware of what he's inviting us to today. And whatever it is, the reality is, is that we all need more of Jesus, right? In all of these spots, we need more of him. So we're going to take a time to worship. But before we do that, I want to do something called imaginative prayer. It might feel a little weird to you, but hold with me and it won't go for that long. <laughs> I promise. But what I want to do is I just want to invite you to close your eyes. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you just to kind of picture the scene as Peter probably saw it. And just ask Jesus what it is that he wants to say to us individually right now. So if you'll just close your eyes and pray with me. Jesus, I just thank you for your invitations to us. I thank you that you're intentional, that you know who we are, you know how we're wired, you know uh, what, what works for us, what doesn't work for us, you know how you've made us and what you've made us for. And, and so I just ask right now that you will come and speak to us in, in that place of who we are and what life is like and, and show us what it is that you're inviting us to. I pray that each and every one of us will leave here knowing your invitation this morning. In Jesus' name. So right now, I just want to encourage you, just close your eyes and just picture yourself in a boat, like Peter was, with Jesus walking up to you. What's he asking you? Making through these songs. Jesus, so we've said over and over again that we want more of your spirit. We want more of your presence. We want to encounter more of you. And with that, we've echoed that we're willing to give it up. Whatever it is in our lives, we're willing to lay it down for more of you. I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that you are worth giving things up for. That you're worth leaving our nets, our boats, and going and following you. That that is a worthwhile thing. Thank you that you are so good. Thank you for your love. I thank you for just being here. It's like Peter said, Jesus. We are not worthy of being in your presence, and yet, here you are. So we have no response other than to say thank you. We are grateful for that reality. We are grateful that we have you here with us. invite the prayer team to come up and I want to just invite as always you can come up for anything so you don't need to it doesn't need to be what I'm going to say but I want to invite you to come up for prayer if 
you heard Jesus speaking to you earlier. If there is something that you knew Jesus was inviting you to and you want prayer for that, I want to invite you to come up. And the other thing is that I, I just felt like Jesus was uh, tossing it back out there that if you're sitting there and you're like, I didn't hear anything, but I think there's something for me. Come up and get prayer. We want to pray for you for Jesus to give you guidance uh, to really speak to you. We think that he speaks today. It might sound a little crazy, but we think that he still speaks just like he did to Peter, James, and John 2,000 years ago. And we want to be open to him doing that. And so I want to invite you to come up for that. And of course, you can come up for anything else that you want to receive prayer for, any other needs that you need this morning. But pray with me, and then I'm going to end our time. Jesus, I just thank you for uh, your, your encounter with us here today. I thank you that you are here with us, that you've made yourself known, that you've spoken to our hearts, to so many of us. I thank you for that. We thank you for the privilege of being able to recognize and realize that we have truly met you today. I pray that as we go from here today, that we will go into this next year, not just casually saying that, yes, we accept these things, or, or we, we're, we're going to do what it is that you're putting in front of us, but that we, like Peter, James, and John, are, are really willing to accept the invitation that you're placing in front of us for this next year. Help us to do the hard work of, of subtracting, not just adding, and of really making you our focus, not something extra. I pray that that will be true for each and every one of us here today. We just say, Jesus, once again, we love you. And we're yours. In Jesus' name, amen.